You know, his temptation overcame him. I'm talking about Judah. That's right. One of the tribes of Israel to become. And Judah is overcome by his temptation. Now, there's an interesting story. We'll talk about that today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hember. I'm Janice. This is Bible Discovery TV. As we go through the Bible, this is our 32nd time in the year from Genesis to Revelation. And we are studying. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey, what's going on? So I'm going to be taking a look at ancient cylinder seals and how they apply here to Judah in Genesis 38. Ryan? Today, my good friend and evangelist, Pastor Corey McKenna, is here to talk to us about why he thinks churches are closing and what we can do to reverse that trend. I think it's important. Corey McKenna is an excellent one. He's an excellent guest. Very good. Janice? Broken promises, God's mercies. Interesting. Broken promises, God's mercies. Okay, let's get our Bible guide and our Bible and let's go. Genesis 38, verses 12 through 26. Now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shearers at Timnah, he and his friend Hira, the Adolmite. And it was told Tamar, saying, Look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So, she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her by the way and said, Please let me come in to you for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, What will you give me, that you may come in to me? And he said, I will send a young goat from my flock. So she said, Will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, What pledge shall I give you? So she said, Your signet and cord, and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her, and went into her, and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away, and laid aside her veil, and put on the garments of her widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adullamite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand, but he did not find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also the men of the place said, There was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, Let her take them for herself, lest we be ashamed. For I sent this young goat, and you have not found her. And it came to pass, about three months after, that Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, Bring her out and let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. 
and she said, Please determine who these are, the signet and cord and staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, She has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Sheila my son. And he never knew her again. Genesis chapter 38, verses 12 through 26. Genesis 38 to 40, this is our reading assignment today. And as we focus on this, it's interesting to note that the Bible tells us a lot of details. Now, why does it do that? So that we can pay attention to what it's trying to tell us. The Bible is very upfront about the dark side of human nature. But we should not mistake this honesty with endorsement. We always have decisions to make in our lives God has told us over and over again to pray for guidance and live according to his morality. When we do, he helps us to give us the ability to do the right things the right way. When we don't, we're often caught in situations that are the consequences of our own making. We must seek God and we must be restored through repentance and prayer asking for wisdom to navigate this life. In each situation we find ourselves in, we can choose to do the right thing the right way. Well, the story we encounter today is about the daughter-in-law of Judah, who is treated poorly by him. You see, after the early death of her husband, Judah's son, she was promised in marriage to Judah's other son so that a child could be born to carry on her past husband's family inheritance. But instead, Judah pushed her aside with empty promises. But I want to tell you something. Tamar would not be left destitute. I want to tell you, this is an amazing story today. Now, we're in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, we come across these stunning stories. We're going to be talking about that today. <laughs> we don't get a chance to cover it except once every four years. But today, a harsh story from Genesis 38, 12 to 26. Take your Bible guide and turn to it. And as we focus on this, let's open up our hearts and listen to what God has said. Because we learn much through these ancient stories. Not that all of the people were right in how they did it, but God somehow made it right because they loved the Lord. I find that fascinating. So get your Bible guide turned to today. If you don't have a Bible guide, you can write to me or call me or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you're finished giving there, you just download it. You're seconds away from joining us. Now, this is important because as we focus on this, we need to listen to God. So, Father, help us as we pray today to listen to you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to hear what you're saying through this unbelievable story. Thank you, Lord. and. Uh, Guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. Now, remember that let's not assume things. Let's listen carefully. Genesis 38, beginning with verse 12, says it this way. It says, now in the process of time, the daughters of Shua, that's Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep herders at Timnah. He and his friend Hira 
the Adulmite or Adulamite, and was told Tamar, it was told to Tamar saying, look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments and covered herself with a veil, wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown and she was not given to him as wife. That's Judah's other son. Verse 15, when Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, a prostitute, because she had covered her face. And then he turned to her by the way and said, please let me come in to you. For he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come in to me? I, I tell you, this is fascinating, okay? Judah's temptation overcame him. Now, this is Judah. Judah's temptation overcame him. Remember this. Jesus Christ was a perfect man who overcame all temptation. Jesus Christ was perfect, and he overcame all temptation. And a lot of people have problems with that. They believe Jesus lived, but they're just not sure he was who he said he was. Well, let me tell you, he was. And the Bible tells us that. So we need to remember that Jesus Christ is aware of the temptation. Temptation subdued Judah and he couldn't handle it. But God overcame. Now, let me go back because we'll come back to that. Let's go back to Genesis 38, 17. And he said, I will send you a young goat from the flock. So she said, that's how he was going to pay her. She said, will you give me a pledge till you send it? And then he said, what pledge should I give you? So she said, your signet cord. Your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. And then he gave them to her and went into her and she conceived by him. So she arose and went away and laid aside her veil and put on her garments of widowhood. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend, the Adumite, to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. And he did not find her. And then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where is the woman, the harlot, who was openly by the roadside? And they said, There was no harlot in this place. Hmm. See, Judah tries to fulfill his pledge to pay the woman. But there are no secrets with God. God knows all things. There was no secret with God, let me tell you. God knew everything. And Judah's trying to keep the secret, pay her off and keep her quiet. But wait a minute, something's going on here. You see, beloved, our sins will find us out. I said that in the last program and I mean it. And that's what I'm saying in this program. Watch this. Verses 22 to 26. So he returned to Judah and said, I cannot find her. Also, the men of the place said, there was no harlot in this place. And then Judah said, well, let her take them for herself lest we be shamed, for I sent this young woman a goat, and you have not found her. And it came to pass about three months after Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by harlotry. So Judah said, bring her out and, and let her be burned. When she was brought out, she sent to her father-in-law, saying, by the man to whom these belong, I am with child. And she said, please determine whose these are. And the signet and the cord and the staff. So Judah acknowledged them and said, she has been more righteous than I, because I did not give her to Sheila, my son. 
and he never knew her again. Wow. You see, Judah's sin discovered him, and it was revealed. Everything we do in secret is revealed. If we do not confess our sins to the Lord, we will be exposed. And let me tell you something. I confess my sin to God whenever I find them out. Because your sins, if there's one thing we've learned today, one thing we've learned in the past several years of this society, whatever our sins are, they're going to come out. Because we live in a world where it just all comes out. But when we ask God for forgiveness, there seems to be an ability for the Holy Spirit to take care of us if we truly serve the Lord. And that becomes important when we follow God, and that's what we should do today. When we become truly Christian and follow the ways of the Lord, He makes it so that we are covered. And that's very, very important. In Genesis chapter 38, we have this really disturbing account of Judah and Tamar and how Judah essentially mistreats Tamar pretty much at every turn until the very end of the story. So today, you and I are going to be focusing in on a piece of technology that shows up uh, in the account today. We're going to be looking at cylinder seals. Take a look. In the times of the Bible, documents like peace treaties, sale of land certificates, business transactions, adoptions, marriages, and the like were authenticated using the ancient version of the signature, the seal. Ancient seals as we know them came in two forms, the signet or stamp type and the cylinder type. They were used to impress wet clay in any form by either stamping or rolling. Seals were miniature works of art that ranged from half to one and a half inches tall and were painstakingly carved from stone, though there are examples of glass, bone, and precious metal seals. The artists that dared to create them not only had to work in reverse for the seal to impress properly, each seal had to be unique, distinct enough to serve as a recognizable signature for its owner, as individual as the person themselves. The material or stone type that was chosen may also have had meaning, with a certain kind of stone being chosen for a perceived benefit or property. Seal artists also utilized individuality in the stones themselves to make their work stand out. There are examples of seal designs incorporating marks, splashes of color, and lines naturally occurring in the stone to enhance the seal's appeal. These signatures were worn in several ways. Signet types were often mounted in a ring and were either worn on the finger or hung on a necklace. Cylinder seals had a hole drilled through their center like a bead through which a mounting pin would be placed so that it could be worn in a few different fashions, most commonly in a necklace, bracelet, or on a clothing pin. Thousands of seals and seal impressions have been found from antiquity. It's believed that the oldest seal ever found is a signet type from the 6th millennium BC. 
Cylinder seals were in popular use in Mesopotamia from around 3400 to 400 BC, 3,000 years of prominence eventually put to rest by writing materials. Clay as a writing material was slowly replaced by papyrus paper, which would be bound and sealed with a lump of clay that was easiest to stamp. Within the heyday of the cylinder seal, however, signet seals were also in use, especially important for the Bible during the first millennium BC, the time of the kings. Seals appear in many biblical passages, most often reflecting their general use of giving someone's authority to a transaction or document but also sometimes in symbolism. Famously, in the Song of Solomon, the female speaker asks to be placed like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. This verse seems to reflect the practice of seals being buried with their owners. As seals represented the essence of their owners, they were common grave goods. So the love of the romantics in the song went beyond the here and now, into the next life. So I want to take a second to talk about, to, to pull back and talk about the overarching themes of the book of Genesis that are going on here in Genesis chapter 38, because we've already started the story of Joseph and all of a sudden we're back to Judah. So what's going on here? Well, there's two really overarching themes going on in Genesis chapter 38. The first one is that you know, the author is showing that Judah wasn't just this great guy. We're seeing that God had to transform his character because we've already heard about how he played a big part in selling Joseph for profit rather than just killing him. Uh, and now we see Judah and, and this terrible character flaw that's going on. But later on, as we move on, we're going to see Judah be selfless and sacrifice himself for his younger brother, Benjamin. Uh, so the author here is showing how the character of Judah needed to be worked on. He was a work in progress and, and God did that work. A second overarching theme in Genesis that's, that's clipped onto here is how God chooses the weaker things of the world to, to bring about his plan for salvation because we see in the twins born of Judah and Tamar, it's the second born once again who uh, is treated as the firstborn rather than the firstborn. So those are just two overarching themes that I wanted to point out to you as you're reading through the Bible with us. Really, as we begin to, as we encounter these stories in the Bible, we're learning how God interacts with people. We've mm -hmm. learned how God interacts with Jacob, how God interacted with Abraham and Isaac. And now we're learning about the sons and how God is interacting with them. And on the next program, we're gonna talk about Joseph. This is a really, we're going into an interesting story here. And uh, that's on tomorrow's program. So make sure that you stick around for that, Ryan. Yeah, well, today and tomorrow, I'm going to be sharing with you all parts of my interview with pastor and evangelist Corey McKenna, which is from my latest product called A World by Design, the Niagara Conference. And today, Corey's here to talk about a huge issue in our world today, and that is massive church closures. So I asked Corey what he thinks is the solution to this major problem. So let's now join the conversation that's already in progress. Well, I just want to switch gears a little bit here. And now the CBC recently released an article in which they predict within the next decade, mm -hmm. roughly 9,000 Canadian churches, which is one third, right. will close their doors. Now, why do you think this is happening and what can we do about it? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a simple problem. I don't think there's a silver bullet other than preach Christ. I mean, that's certainly what God says is we need to preach Christ. But I think what's happened, Ryan, as we kind of stand back and read the plain Canadian culture. I think we've all been part of this problem whereby we've been 
being disciples, but not making disciples. And we've sort of been going to church and we've had a devotional Christianity whereby I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, maybe I'm in a small group, you know, maybe I, you know, I have a, I have a worship set on my playlist and we believe that's being on mission. The problem is that's not multiplicative. That's just me and Jesus. That's not the pattern of the New Testament. The, matter, the pattern of the New Testament, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and be disciples. Did he say that? No, he said, make disciples. Making disciples is multiplicative. It's about how many seeds am I sowing? How many people am I equipping? You think of the question, how many seeds are in an apple? You know, you, you farmer know. How many seeds are in an apple? Any idea? Put seven. Okay. Put seven seeds. I'm not a farmer. Do I look like a farmer? No. <laughs> Put seven seeds. How many apples are in a seed? Who knows? God knows, right? We're after the orchards, not just the seed. That's not the multi-generational gospel view we've had in Canadian Christendom for about 100 years. So the problem is, is when those churches die, when the people die, the churches die with them because no one's actually multiplying ministry. So I really believe we gather to go. I think what's really, really important in all this is we get back on mission. We equip the saints for the work of the ministry that people are given to go, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. And we will see new people come to saving faith in Christ and be baptized. And then the, the generations will continue to, um, to be faithful that way. If the early church didn't believe what I just said, we wouldn't be here. Let's be honest, it would have ended in first century Palestine, but it didn't. Well, I think God is moving us out of our comfort zone to go and tell, not just come and see. So if you want my full interview with Corey, along with Bodie Hodge, Calvin Smith, Patricia Engler, and of course, molecular geneticist, Dr. Georgia Purdom, then simply call or write in and ask for a World by Design, the Niagara Conference. You can also order it through our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Now, tomorrow, Corey's going to be back to give us some more advice on how to engage our culture for Jesus Christ. And that is a great interview. So make sure you join us for that. It's very important. Janice? Well, I called this Broken Promises and God's Mercies. And we see this really unfortunate story about Tamar. And she loses her first husband. And you see her father-in-law promising her that, uh, you know, she could have the other brothers. And that's according to ancient um, Middle Eastern customs of that time. It was so that the, the name of the father would not be cut off uh, without having a son if, if the husband died uh, before uh, he had a son to carry on his name. And uh, you'll have known that from Rod's teaching and from Corey's segments. And it was interesting uh, to hear Corey talk about how that God really used um, this portion and this demonstration to, to teach a lot of lessons to Tamar, to to Judah himself, and that's the mercy of God in our lives because we don't always make the best choices. We see here this, this kind of behavior from Tamar, uh, removing her widow's clothing and, and dressing like a prostitute. You know, this is something that we normally don't encourage and, and certainly not commend here, but we see Tamar's desperation. Um, she as as we know she's in the the period of mourning for her first husband was long gone and yet she was still dressed in widow's clothing and even after she changed out of the prostitute's clothing she went back into her widow's clothing she really had believed up until this point that she would be given to Judah's youngest son Sheila 
But it got to the point where she knew that that promise was broken, and she was desperate. Uh, She knew that the brothers would not fulfill their responsibility to her. Now, in the end, Judah did praise her as more righteous than himself, and that would have been a very hard and difficult lesson for him to learn. But even in Tamar's terrible situation, and this is really what I want to focus on today, is that God mercifully blessed her with sons. He mercifully blessed her in all of this. And God's mercy is so amazing and so much greater than our human thinking can comprehend. And a lot of us have made poor choices, wrong decisions, taken the wrong path. But we never go too far for God to bring his salvation and his forgiveness into our lives. And if I'm speaking to you today, if you think that you've done something so terrible that God could never forgive you, bring that to him with your heart. Because God doesn't judge the things that we do like we judge one another. We look at the things that we can see. But you know what? None of us can look inside the hearts or the minds of each other. We can't do that because we are not God. But God knows you intimately. And God wants to forgive you for what you have done. And if you honestly come to him with what you've done and you ask for his forgiveness, he will forgive you. If you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and you begin to follow him, then he will help you. You won't be changed right away from everything. None of us are perfect. No one. But we follow God and we come to him in repentance. We make sure that we humble ourselves before him every day and say, God, I want to follow you. Forgive me because I'm a sinner, saved because of the blood you shed for me. And when we do that and we read his word, that's why we're here with this program, Bible Discovery. We want to discover more about God and what he has told us in his word. So if you've just logged on, turned the channel for the very first time, please stay with us. And if you don't stay with us, just stay in the word of God. Talk with God by praying, just talking to him and ask him to help you. And he will. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we offer a prayer meeting for you live on Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery. I want to invite you to come so we can pray for you. Today, we're going to pray, Lord, forgive me for my trespasses as I forgive those who have trespassed against me. (laughs) That's also in the Lord's Prayer, Father. Help me to do that. I need to do that. Help me not to be proud and haughty, but help me to understand you have forgiven our sins.